And three, yeah, we are live with an ugly screen, but we are live. Welcome to the uh, crossover event with Chapel Hill Curve, Nathan J. Lawrence, and Graham Coffee, straight off his Bud Elliott and Cover Three podcast. Uh, exciting breakdown of Can Kirby recruit or actually develop. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. And um, we're back. You know, we screw up the opening. This is what we do, right? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, Nathan. This is you missed it all, right? Deja vu, all over again. Yeah, exactly. Are we uh, still in one tiny corner of the screen? Just bear with me. Just bear with okay, me. Okay, we'll get this, there. It's fine. We'll get there. We're gonna get there. I promise. <laughs> Keep talking. This is your, your okay. Board. So, yeah, we're here tonight to talk about uh, some defensive, defensive positions and alignment that happened within the Kirby Smart defense. We are all full screen now as well. So hashtag big things happening. That's for you, GM Mafia, right there. Dog Sports Live. No, you're good. All right. So, yeah, I mean, basically what we want to talk about, right, is uh, Georgia is known – Georgia, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, uh, a lot of these kind of high – reputation defensive coaches in modern college football are known for running three, four defenses uh, with, you know, three, three down line and four linebackers. But if you watch a lot of uh, their teams play, you see more than three linemen down and you see these other guys that are floating around and they're kind of linebackers and they're kind of safeties and they're kind of defensive backs. And we're not really sure what exactly they are. Uh, So, we're going to get into a little bit of what the Jack linebacker does as well as the star position in Georgia's defense and also how that relates to uh, some of the transfers that are coming in and also some personnel decisions that the staff is going to have to make uh, here in the next few months before UGA kicks off the season against Clemson and Charlotte. Um, Nathan, start us out a little bit. Tell us, you know, kind of uh, tell us about the Jack. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Um, so, a lot of what we think of as the spread offense is predicated on the idea of putting both vertical and horizontal stress on the defense. Um, and if you look at the evolution of Kirby Smart's defenses over the past 15 years, even from when he was in Saban, um, a lot of the changes that he's made have been uh, to alleviate that those stresses both horizontally and vertically so um the first thing to remember before we say anything about this is that like before the guys who played football in high school reply guy gang gets up in your mentions let me just say that like obviously the terminology on this um changes from play to play and it's very possible that we're going to say things that are incorrect on any given play and we might even queue up a play where something is wrong um and i just want to stop um coach twitter before just nip that in the bud but generally speaking in um kirby's offense and this is kind of true in Saban's offense or defense rather in kirby's defense and as well as Saban's defense there is a hybrid defensive end slash outside line linebacker called the jack now generally speaking at the jet at the snap the jack either looks like a defensive end or an outside linebacker um responsibility wise he's playing oh yeah you can see we have sort of a this is kirby's um with this is Kirby's sort of like I guess what you would call nickel defense when he has three cornerbacks in the in the game. Um, that's a little bit more complicated than it used to be, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. Apologies for the handwriting in advance. Yeah, it's better. I love the handwriting. Um, Come on. Yeah. So 
This is um, Kirby's default mint defense, which is uh, tight front alignment. And we're not going to talk about tight front alignment tonight, but I, we could. Um, but the thing to remember about the Jack is that at the snap, what the Jack does looks like either a defensive end or an outside linebacker, right? And what having a hybrid positional role does, it gives him flexibility in terms of planning and responding to what he's seeing in front of him, right? Um, so a lot of times you will see the Jack, Aziz Ojolari played the Jack a lot of the time last year. Generally, the Jack lines up um, to the strong side of the formation on the tight end, or if there's no tight end, he, he lines up basically opposite of the running back. So in the path of what a running back would run across a formation for an outside run. Um, and, you know, a lot of times what you'll see is that Aziz would just put his hands down and he would just look like a defensive end, or he would just stand up and go into like flat buzz zone and look like an outside linebacker. Right. But the point of the Jack is not that there's some like super secret hybrid new football thing. Um, it's that you have the, the flexibility to respond to a variety of situations. Right. Um, and I think we have a, a pretty good a play here. If you can um, queue up here, I think, Josh, if you can give me like 33 mm -hmm. um, and just like go, go to the beginning of this play. So is this, uh, yeah. So you can see uh, we have on, we have a strong formation over here to Aziz. And what you'll see is, and he's on, I guess, like the close side of the screen. Um, and what you can see is he has the, he has sort of the responsibility to look into the backfield here. He's going into a stunt, but he's still keeping his eyes up. Um, so while he is pass rushing, he, you can tell like, even just with the eye lines that he is sort of like looking into the backfield for what's called the mesh point. Um, a lot of spread offenses, and this isn't on this play, but there's another play that we have, uh, I think 34. Um, there's another play where this happens. A lot of offenses try to confuse the defense by faking a handoff or running an RPO where the, the quarterback either pulls the ball or passes off at the last second. Um, and so part of the Jack's responsibility and the star's responsibility in Georgia's defense is to watch for the mesh point. And so you'll see in a lot of these plays that there will be like eyes. Here's 34, by the way. Yeah. So this is a great example. So can we just like roll this back just the first few seconds here? Um, so it just pause it right there. So at the snap, we've got four down linemen are pre-snap and you'll see he motions off the, uh, the, he motions off the running back on Aziz's um, side. And at that point, since there is a running back and the formation's unbalanced, there's one running back. Aziz becomes the Jack, right? You can see he pops up from his stance and he's not going to go downhill anymore. And so like at that point, he's just functioning as an offensive uh, or an outside linebacker. He's trying to rush the passer. Um, but that's what that multiplicity does. It's not that it's really a thing about it's terminology and organization more than it is like some super special secret move. Right. Um, it's the ability of, to have flexibility, right. A lot of, uh, a lot of spread offenses, uh, what they do is they read the guy on the end of the line of scrimmage and they try to basically make that guy wrong. So if he goes inside, they go outside. If they, he goes outside, they go inside. That's a gross oversimplification, but that's basically what they're doing all the time. And when you give somebody like Aziz, um, who is a great example of like a modern Jack linebacker, when you give him the flexibility to respond to what's happening in the play as it happens, you make him wrong less often, right? And that's sort of what the Jack does. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, you know, the, what's interesting with a guy like Aziz and a lot of these uh, kind of modern uh, guys that are playing with the hands in their dirt is like, they are listed as outside linebackers on the roster, but they really 
are not outside linebackers in a lot of way. Like they're, they're much more uh, an edge, you know, and I think that's kind of how the NFL and PFF and a lot of these uh, sort of higher minded websites and uh, teams will, will classify these guys. And it's, there are the skill sets that you want of an outside linebacker. And a lot of these guys are the size of the outside linebacker. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the misnomer a little bit with a guy like Aziz is you see him lining up with his hand in the dirt or on the end of the line. I think something like 97% of his snaps last year, at one point he did line up at wide corner and I don't know why, but that happened. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the, the average like watcher of football at that point probably sort of like puts him in a box and classifies him as a defensive end. And I think the, you know, the reality, and I think you, what you illustrated really well just here is like, there's a lot more decision-making involved with that than just like go get the passer or go get the ball, you know, like Malik Herring, who was playing on the opposite end of the line as a true defensive end, like his job is much more going to be get uphill and rush the passer and, or, Stuff a run lane. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, who, and, so, so who's going to be our Jack linebacker and this position, and and how important is it for twenty twenty one? I mean, I mean, no, pro- probably I, Nolan Smith. Probably, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I think the the thing about the Jack to understand is that like the star is actually way more complicated in many ways because sometimes the star looks like a cornerback and sometimes the star looks like an outside linebacker. Right. pretty yeah. much the jack looks like a guy he looks like an edge like i think that nfl reference is very right like it he's it's it's very rare that he's going to take a coverage now i will say we didn't i don't want to get too in the weeds here but a lot of modern run offenses are predicated on the outside zone right so the outside zone is a play where the whole offensive line a lot of the time will come downhill towards the tight end right so one of the things the Jack has to do is if he's lined up in front of the tight end, the strong side of the formation, and there's a play coming to his side, he doesn't necessarily have to make the tackle, but he has to know he has to contain and wait for the guys to come downhill outside of him or inside of him. Right. So he has to shut a block, you know, um, and then like be in the space and try to like occupy that cutback lane if it's going way outside. And that's, and that's, you know, people talk about why Adam Anderson doesn't get more play. And it's because that's not really something Adam Anderson can do. Um, well, well, you can. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take it. Yeah, I'm gonna take an opposite stance on that, just because I, when we were sort of researching this episode and looking at some clips this afternoon, like he actually got a lot of snaps. And I want to be clear, like in pass rush situations, uh, he was in the game. You know, in that sort of jack position on certain on certain downs, like third and longs against Auburn, he was in the game a lot at that jack spot and there were certain times where it was just him and herring still a defensive end and there was other times where you know ojalari would would sub in for herring and and anderson would be at that jack spot so you have two stud pass rushers but i I think that with with anderson like there there's been this rep with him for for years now that like you can't play the run but there were some games where he did really well, Missouri being one that like he stood out and had some some good some good games playing against the run. So it's like I do think we'll see Nolan Smith and Anderson both in that role, and I think that Smith is probably the guy you want there on like more variable downs where it could be run or pass, and Anderson's probably the guy you want there in like clear pass rush situations. But Anderson, 
Like, Anderson's Anderson. bulked up though. He's like two, yeah, yeah. you know, I think he's up I mean, to, to 245, 250 now. Undue, it, I think it's a bias on the fans' part. I agree. And I think he can do it now. But I think there was a lot of like, why aren't we playing Anderson? Why aren't we playing Anderson? And it's just that like Aziz just had a better body type to do that, right? Like yeah. a, a lot of teams run like what's called split zone, right? And it's I don't want to get into the weeds again, but like on a split zone play, that Jack has a guy running across the field full speed at his face with like a two second head time. Right. Um, right. And you just have to have a guy who can handle that. Totally. And I mean, I, I think truthfully, like the, the discussion around this is, you know, if we're being honest, is probably less about body type. I mean, there's a certain size a guy has to be to, right. to qualify to play this position. But I think, you know, there's a decent chance that, you know, Aziz maybe was just better at reading some of the, some of those subtle yeah. things. And, you know, I, I think that, that everyone com- comes along at a different pace and all of that. But I mean, like, I, I don't know, all reports were that, I mean, if they're trusting Adam Anderson enough to, to be trying him out at star, I think that like, he's probably at a place mentally where he can handle the responsibilities of Jack. Yeah. And I, and I think too, like, Aziz was just a really special player in a way that I don't think many Georgia fans appreciate. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was awesome. I mean, just a, a gamer who was in there. I mean, every he was in so many plays as you go through the se- season and just look at these numbers and stuff. And it's like, I mean, we we were we had a lot of guys playing, but he was always on the field and he was in all the big defensive plays. I feel like, I mean, I'm, so who is that? That might be you, Grant. All right. So uh has a fire alarm going off. Oh nice. All right. Well then we can check out his new home. He's got the uh Geo Topo map back in the background, which I really am a big fan of Topo maps. All right, so um as any dad, as I've been lit up on Twitter tonight, would know that a dad that doesn't know what RN means uh totally knows what a topo is. All right, so let's go into clip thirty six because you've got some analysis on that. Yeah, um so dinner is ready. <laughs> Here's clip thirty six. Okay, so this is a this is a really good example. So if you want to just run the first few seconds of this before the snap, and then I'll just kind of I just want to talk you through what's going on here. So you can see in this play, we don't really have a strong side of the formation, right? It's a, it's an even formation, and normally the jack wants to be on the opposite side of the running back. And what's really kind of th- this is sort of like where we're talking about that multiplicity of assignment, like how he can do different things. And this is one of the few times where the Jack is going to go into coverage. What you'll see is that we go from like this really cluster, like six men on the line, and then we bail out. And at the last second, seven, I think it's 17. Who's the Jack on this one um, rolls out into coverage and the star on the opposite side of him comes, it comes in. And this is like a really common delay blitz. Um, Graham and I were reading some like real, real, real inside football stuff about Kirby Hunt's defense. And this yeah. sort of like, ja- <laughs> yeah, it's, it was sad. Uh, this sort of Jack star switch where the, the, you can see 19, who is the star. And we'll talk about that in a second comes in and then 17 bails out into the, that like middle zone coverage. That is, um, that's really hard to read for an offensive lineman because that action you'll see is happening as the snap happens. Right. So now it's like, we have to figure out and set, and then we have a late blitz coming in. And then also that guy bails out and covers the middle, right? And so a lot of what yeah. the Jack does, and that, and you were talking about like Aziz was good at reading that stuff. A lot of what the Jack does is window dressing, but it's a really important window dressing, right? And so. Totally. And I mean, I, I think like with that play in particular, the context of sort of what was going on in the season at that point with 
three three opt-outs, I think, in the secondary and, and lots of guys like not playing. And the fact that, you know, because of that, you've got Brinny and, and Adam Anderson and some guys filling in and star. And those guys being able to process all of that with a few weeks of prep time for Cincinnati in the bowl game and learn new positions is a great credit to both them and the, yeah, the UGA coaching staff. Let's, so, I mean, kind of, you know, I think that's, that plays sort of a good transition into like talking about the star and Josh, if you don't mind throwing up that, that other chart, uh, that other kind of um, alignment chart for the, uh, yeah. Uh, personnel on there. So, I, I mean, like at this point, basically, Georgia is going to switch into a dime dime package when the, the offense is going to bring more receivers onto the field and more you know, tight ends, receivers, passing threats, whatever you want to call them. Um, so the star, which is also kind of known in a, a nick, as a nickel corner in a lot of terminology, like they're going to come in and replace like the, that Sam linebacker. So in that in that situation, you know, your your Nolan Smith or or Adam Anderson at times last year is coming off the field, and your your Tyreek Stevenson or your Mark Webb is coming on the field. And the other thing that's going to happen, and we'll, we're not going to talk too much about the money, but the you're going to bring on what's called the the money linebacker, and so that that's a so this is this is. This is the first chart you're showing. Show that uh, the dime personnel chart if you can, Jada. There you go. Yeah. So if you see where where it's highlighted there, those are the guys that we're kind of talking about. So uh, for for Georgia's 2021 defense, like that star is probably going to be Tyke Smith, and that money linebacker is probably going to be Quay Walker. Big guy can run fast, can cover, can do a lot of different things, can come downhill against the run as well. Probably read read the quarterback if he needs to. Um, but yeah, so I mean, once once that inside linebacker becomes the the money player, he's always going to align uh, kind of over on the the weak side versus when you've got the an even formation, two by two sets, and he's going to go to the strong side on on three and one and three by two sets. So the star, and, and I mean, you you kind of have some notes here, uh, and we were talking about this on the phone yesterday, like. The star is the position that's changing and changing. And, and it, you know, I, I honestly think it, at this point it may be the most important position on Georgia's defense. But, like, early in Smart's tenure, you know, you've got uh, Maurice Smith that played that position, and he was basically a, a big DB, right? And then last year you had guys like Stevenson, kind of more of like a like a, a, a small linebacker, linebacker, big safety. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And – so you're at a point right now in, in the sort of evolution of college football where it's like you, you need a guy that can play the run, that can cover a slot receiver, which is as hard as really any coverage assignment because you're dealing what that with guys means is in like space. You're, you're, you're covering like Jalen Waddle is what that means. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're covering Waddle and receiver. It's well, like Harris Jackson and, and yeah. You know, and Kirby talked about that in one of his you know early spring uh, post practice pressers where he says you're you're the star, you're a backer, you know, you're a middle linebacker, you're a, you know, you're a middle linebacker, you're playing the star as well. So clearly, that's the one of the the key components of this of yeah. this Georgia defense. So what yeah, and I mean, just before uh, yeah, like Georgia's going to be in this package eighty percent of the time, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and at I, least three. 
court CBs on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, like, save for playing against, like, Kentucky last year where, you know, it was such a run-focused offense that everything was crowded in. Like, if you go back and look, like, there is a star on the field all the time. Um, it's basically a starting position. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, what I was going to say is I talked earlier about the sort of horizontal and vertical stress on the field. And so if we play, uh, I think this one will work. One of the hallmarks of the star is that the star is looking in the backfield and behind line of scrimmage a lot of the time. The star is either playing like a shallow zone. And if we can play 34 here, um, or they're looking for a tight end screen or a wide receiver screen or like a, a throw to the flat. One of the kind of hallmarks of, of Kirby's defense is that Kirby's defense just does not give up throws to the flat. And that is because the star hit one of his first responsibilities is to find the guy out of the backfield. So if we pull up that one play we just said, so if we look here at the star, it's on this side, he's looking 34. at the backfield. Yeah, no, this is the yeah, you got you, you have got Brinny in your yeah, you got Brinny in here. He's looking in the backfield. When the guy comes out, he steps down and he is immediately playing through the cornerback to that uh to that swing pass out. And same for a wide receiver screen. Um, and I think you know, one of Kirby Smart's sort of unspoken philosophies on defense is that like if you stop the run, you can figure out other stuff. Um, and that's just been something George has done. And I think one of the extensions of that is that. Um, the star in Georgia's defense is often what's called the hang player. He's the first guy outside of the line, outside of the offensive line um, on the wide side of the field a lot of the times. And him being able to play downhill and blow up those plays for easy tackles for loss has been, that's been a lot of Georgia's explosive negative, play, uh, negative plays that they've created. You know, it, we're talking about like havoc rate or whatever. That a lot of Georgia's havoc rate is not sacks or interceptions. It's tackles for loss, yeah. swing passes and wide receiver screens. And, yeah, that is just something that is, and if, you know, when, when Graham and I were talking about doing this, we were talking about, you know, without getting too in the weeds or too into the minutia, if you're a Georgia fan, what is something you should be looking for on when Georgia doesn't have the ball? And to me, that's one of those things. Like if, if Georgia is getting easy negative plays on swing passes and wide receiver screens, we're going to be in a good situation a lot of the time. And, and that is a lot of it is predicated on, having a star that works. And I know Graham, you have some um, sort of like PFF grading stuff to talk about in terms of personnel and star that I think kind of illuminates this. Yeah. Like, I mean, you already uh, like we sort of touched on, you know, that, that slot corner sort of position, like you're, you're facing the Jalen Waddles of the world. Um, but I mean, in my personal opinion, just really like when you go back and, and kind of rewatch the the bad moments of Georgia's season last year, Florida game and Alabama game, where things really kind of break down is not, you know, the, the first and second corners against the first and second wide receivers. It's when you get into that third slot receiver or fourth receiver and the star or, you know, that, that fourth DB for UGA. Um, and so, I mean, you know, if you, Josh, I think, yeah, like we're, we're, you know, looking at this this clip right or this uh the still that you have right here, like Georgia's offense when they were facing uh you know Florida last year, like you can kind of see a really dramatic version of this sort sort of everyone's spread out and and you've got Mark Webb on the field. And I, I mean looking back, it it kind of like Mark Webb and Stevenson had about the same amount of snaps last year, and uh I think the difference is, you know 
Webb was in the game more when they felt like it was probably a passing situation and and Stevenson was in the game more for, for right. other things. So Graham, talk about this still. What are you seeing here that uh that is problematic or is it is or is this the alignment we want? Yeah, no, I I'm just kind of trying to illustrate uh, you know, if you, like this still versus that Kentucky still that uh that you have on there, how different the alignment is here. You've got, you know, four guys up into the line of scrimmage, but everything is going to be tighter. Uh, guys are, are closer into the box. Uh, basically, you know, you're in that situation where Georgia, even Georgia though there's four wide receivers on the field, like they, they don't feel like they're in a situation where there's a real passing threat. Exactly. And, this, this is what Georgia wants to do. They're, they're not going to get beat over the top against this personnel. They're going right. to crowd the line. They're going to, you know, the swing passes and inside runs and all that they're going to contain. And the Florida did definitely with with Trask accuracy. He was accurate as as all get out last year, and that's where we got exposed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Nathan said, they stretched it horizontally and stretched us vertically. And you know, I, Stevenson and Webb didn't really hold up in that game, and, yeah. and that kind of was the difference. I mean, who are the guys? And that, and and I think this is an important. This is something that we don't think about when we get into sort of like scheme Twitter and scheme talk is that like schemes are inherently responsive to personnel, which is to say that like, who were the guys that our stars were lining up against last year, right? We were lining up against Kadarius, Tony, uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Now Smith was usually not, he was usually on the outside, but you like these schemes don't happen in a vacuum. Right. And the importance of the star is because Kirby and Saban have gotten really, really torched a lot by those positions. I mean, if you look at like the evolution of the importance of the star and Saban's um, offense started, you know, when Alabama got blown out by Utah in the Sugar Bowl in like 2011 or something. Right. And they just got absolutely torn up by Urban Meyer disciple running these little short white guys on crossing routes. Right. And so these things don't happen in a vacuum. Right. And it's going to continue to be important because who else has really good inside receivers is Clemson. Right. right. And exactly. if, you the, if, if you go to the CFP, who has the best wide receiver core in the nation, probably Ohio state. Right. So like you, it, it's, we're not talking about, I want to, or Georgia. or Georgia. Well, if Pickens is back, we're not talking about this in a vacuum, right? This is um, scheme is always, in response to real life, right? And so the reason we go get Tyke Smith is that we know, hey, if we want to go to the CFP, we're going to have to beat either the third, either the best guy on Clemson's team, right, one-on-one, -on -one, or the best guy in Ohio State. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, if you look at, uh, before you throw this up, will you throw up the snaps by position for uh, for Webb and, and yep. Stevenson? So with Webb, if you look at his snaps by position last year, like, he lined up in that slot corner spot 249 times. He's only in the box 14 times. Uh, if you flip on the one for Stevenson, he's in that slot corner spot 258 times, but he's lined up in the box 77 times. So what that tells me is, like, the coaching staff trusted Tyreek Stevenson in run situations more than they trusted Mark Webb. Now, if we look at Smith, um, he's in that slot corner spot – 333 times for West Virginia's defense, which was the number one pass defense in the country, but he's in the box 207 times. So what that tells me is like last year, Georgia basically took two players and merged them into one. 
depending on the situation, to to fill that star role. In Tyke Smith, you have a guy that can do everything that you need him to do. Here, I mean, like, did you ever see Tyreek Stevenson or Mark Webb hit anybody like that? No, you did not. Um, and that's not anything against them. It's just like Tyke Smith's a really special player. He's probably one of the best returning secondary players in the country. They're, you know, back in zone coverage. He's able to go and find the ball, locate it, get a foot down and bounce. And I'm pretty sure that game or that play put that game on ice for, for West Virginia. On, but Go ahead. No, you're going to say one of the like highlights of a good star in Kirby Smart's offense is just the ability to like work through garbage, right? Working through these like sort of, um, I don't know what you want to call them, rub plays or whatever. Yeah, um, pick routes, picks, like working through uh, moving tight ends, working through wide receiver blocks. You can see here, he just he That's, just has yeah. great anticipation, and just the guy doesn't even get a hand on it, right? And, right. And the ability to, to to see that develop and identify, and I mean here coming on the man in motion, it's like it's a lot of that stuff that you know you were you were mentioning earlier about eyes in the backfield and you know kind of being there on the the edge of the box and that first guy sort of outside of the line that's that's close in. You see him playing there, and like West Virginia listed him, they had a, like he's listed as a safety on PFF, but like West Virginia called him like. Not a rover, but something something akin to that in, in their defensive scheme. But he's just he's a star, and that's what he's going to play for Georgia more than like. I think. I mean, this is like a pretty hot take, but and I'm not saying this is. I'm going to try to like cool this. Take no, I'm excited. Like, please, please. I'm, I'm going to try to throw this take in the freezer for a little bit and not like get too ahead of myself. <laughs> but if you okay, so if you take the 2017 season. Um, even though it's four years ago, very different set of like offenses were different back then. Defenses were different back then. Yeah. You have Raquan Smith and he's just a guy that's just like running to the ball in every play. Cause he just understands the defense. Well, I'm not saying that Tyke Smith is going to be as good as Roquan Smith. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But what I'm saying is that in today's game, the star is the guy who can do that. I don't right. think the Mike or the money is the guy who does that in Kirby Smart's offense. Just can run to the ball, make have four interceptions and 10 sacks or something stupid, right? Like that's not so much the Mike linebacker anymore because that Mike, when the Mike switches over to the money and we go to dime defense, which we do quite a bit, a lot of what the Mike, the money does in uh, Kirby's offense is just like has a two way go to the quarterback or to the, or to the ball carrier, which is impressive, but it's not necessarily what uh, Smith was doing. And I, and I think, I th I'm just saying, I guess to make this as lukewarm as possible, Tyke Smith could have a very, very special UGA season yeah. because positionally he's in the right place to do special stuff in today's game. Right. And I mean, I think that, you know, with, with Stevenson, like you're probably like, it, it would not be unfair to, to watch this uh, tape and say like body wise, you know, just in terms of how he's built, he doesn't look too much different than, than Tyreek Stevenson did. The reason that Tyreek Stevenson is not in Athens anymore is because, A, he didn't want to be a star. He wanted to be a defensive back. And that's that's what Miami promised him they would play him at. But, B, he had a tendency to freelance. And the star, as we were kind of talking about how important it is, like it's just not a situation where like that guy can kind of just – go do what he wants. And, and yeah. LeCount would do that sometimes as well. But like, 
you can do that more as a true free safety. And with Stevenson, like that, that play that he made it made in the Cincinnati game where he jetted back and put his hands up and, you know, broke up that pass that got Georgia the ball back and let them win, go win the game. It was a great play and it was a great display of his athletic talents, but he never, ever, ever should have been out of position to begin with. And I think that's kind of with, with Tyke Smith, like just watching what he did at West Virginia, there is a very high level of understanding yeah. of can, how the whole defense works. Can, can you pull up 33 one more time for me? I just want to point something out. This is like, can I do this? Let me say this. A, a lot of what the star does <laughs> in Georgia's offense is just like, be positionally present at the on the most important route in the field because often in a lot of these uh defenses they run like or a lot of these offenses especially like the real like mike leach style offenses they run a lot of stuff and so you can see on this play Brittany is the the star here and when we run this back if you watch him he's just watching the quarterback and he just bails to the outside on this underneath route because he thinks he's going to get like a quick out to for the for an easy first down and he basically just shuts that side of the field down Mm -hmm. um this this play all ultimately ends in a um a touchdown like a circus touchdown on the other side but like it almost doesn't work just because brinny has the presence of nine to like basically switch over and that's that's a really good example of match zone coverage but we're not going to cover that right now but like that's what the star does and that's like that's not freelancing like he knew he had to flip out and take that guy out of the backfield and take away the easy first down and when he did it the play was set up to fail for cincinnati and you know ritter you know there's a circus catch and he bails him out. But like Georgia, by most accounts, like for the first 90% of that play, and isn't this the story of Georgia football? The first 90% of that play, Georgia won that play, right? And you have to have I, I, a lot of times with a really good star in Georgia's defense, just their presence makes the play go right for Georgia, right? They're in the right place. So the quarterback doesn't even throw it. And then he holds the ball for a second and then you get pressure or the quarterback has to check it down underneath. And then the star can go and run to that. And, and it's like, Stevenson played like a free safety many times last year. And when you do that, you just get out of position, right? Yeah. That was Brittany had kind of an uneven day, but that was a perfect, I mean, he played that ball perfectly. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he, yeah, Brittany struggled in the beginning of that game, but he played pretty brilliantly in the second half. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, the question with him is uh, just at his size is he, you know, I think, Will he get some snaps at start for Georgia in 2021? Yes, absolutely. I just don't know if he, uh, you know, is really going to be adept enough in coverage uh, against some of those like high flying offenses. And I mean, that's that's really like what this all comes down to, right? Is the you know Kirby Smart was on the leading edge of of stopping you know kind of the that Tebow Urban Meyer early spread zone read sort of ops offense and now we've sort of evolved again into a lot of like air raid concepts and and you know passing trees but also uh, a team like alabama that has a guy like Najee harris that can shove it down your throat at the same time while they're spread out that far and you know i think it'll be interesting because like we've seen no one ever gives them credit for it but like kirby smart if nothing else has learned from his mistakes over the course of the last five years, you know, and it's like, he, he hired Coley, he brought in Mockin. you know, there's, there's a lot of, of instances where we have seen him 
sort of evolve and every off season, it seems like he's, he's trying to fix something, whether that's the receivers from, from 2019 to 2020, but it'll be interesting to see if like, I mean, obviously Georgia's thin at defensive back. And so Tyke, what does that this. mean? Yeah. We didn't get right. Tyke. We missed a kid that, that, uh, that came out of Missouri for a couple of weeks and went yeah. to Florida. I mean, and let's, and so that means Tyke Smith is our, our most veteran defensive back. If I'm well, not other than, yeah, other than Seen and it seems been there, you know, for sure. But I mean, you know, Tyke's the veteran. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, and I and I think the reason you might kind see, of kind of wrong. There, there was some amount of consternation. You're not wrong. There. You're not. <laughs> I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm Twitter wrong. All right, I, they, I they both played a lot of college football, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to say he's like the leader of the defense when, like, he still hasn't practiced with the team. Hey, yet. listen, yeah. Lawrence, uh, our man, Lucene is a fan of the. Of, yeah, uh, Lucene knows. We love Lucene. He's still yeah. watching this. God bless him. But uh, Lucene <laughs> comes downhill. That's rule number one. No, I love, I love some Lucene, but I mean, we he needed help, and you know, we got it, and I know that. We wanted the the, uh, the kid that went to Florida, but you know. So who are well, to wrap this up? To wrap this up, so who are the guys that are going to step up for Ojolari? Like, I mean, so you're talking you've about got, Nolan you got Anderson, Nolan Smith, and Adam Anderson. You know, those are your your two most likely candidates. Uh, the Jazz Chambliss will probably get some snaps at that position as well. Uh, uh, Jason High we saw on school alumni. Who's the dreams stand up? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's never a bad day to be a Trojan. Anyway, um, it, we he's the only significant person other than me to ever come out of Carrollton. Um, Reggie Brown. Yeah, who who is like greatest Georgia highlight is getting helicoptered by two <laughs> Auburn players. That's not Hello, true. Dude. That's, That's Reggie Brown's true. slander. I love Reggie Brown. Um, no, I actually think that you'll see a fair amount of dime this next year because people are just going four wide a lot. And I actually think in a dime situation, your dime quarters corner is Smith and your star is Anderson. I think that's going to be a lot of what it is. And um, because you're just going to have Anderson is just too talented to not. If Anderson has taken the step forward that we think he's taken, he should not be off of the field very often. Right. Right. Well, I I think that's how they're going to get him on the field. Yeah. And I think the other thing to think about with all this, uh, you know, in that in that little hand drawn uh, thing that we showed earlier about the dime package, like that money linebacker spot. You know, in a lot of situations, maybe that's Quay Walker, but there will be times where Georgia, you know, goes to like six true defensive backs, and this Turnage guy, this Brandon Turnage guy that Georgia just brought in from Alabama, uh, who was a very heralded recruit and still has four years of eligibility. There's, you know, he's kind of, he, he was a safety, I believe, at Alabama, um, or, you know, was at least listed that on the roster, but he's another one of those guys that's kind of that tweener size between a safety or a linebacker or a defensive back. And so I think it's possible that you see him in that money position at, at some point next year uh, and, and just gives Georgia more guys that can actually cover, uh, cover passing and passing threats downfield. Because that's what you gotta have. You gotta be able to roll out as many people as possible that can match up in coverage. I mean, and that's you know, yeah. that, that money, money spot, spot was where you saw Florida wheel route us to death last year. Mm-hmm. And so putting in a guy with some actual coverage skills and some ball skills could be a difference in winning and losing a game like that. 
I, we, we're, we're kind of talking around the real the real hot take, which is that Tyke Smith and Brandon Turnage are what we all thought and hoped Otis Reese would be. Um, if you want a real like, that's like possible. Yeah, a real yeah, deep cut from yeah. Georgia recruiting past. Well, I mean, I think that's a, that's a tribute to Kirby's recruiting. I mean, you've got a small window to get on the field and get the snaps and win the snaps. And, you know, as good as Otis Reese is, I mean, he's the best defensive back on Ole Miss's roster right now. I mean, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have a spot when there was when he wanted a spot. I mean, that's and that's the new nature of college football from college basketball to college football. It's just like they want to play and there's nothing wrong with them wanting to play. And, Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And that's why Kirby goes and gets though he wants to recruit one guy to play and he wants to recruit the next guy to replace him. So he's got to have those guys. So yes, Otis Reese would be very nice to have this year, but you know, that's a testament to it. He was ready to play and, and Ole Miss got him. So, I mean, yeah, and, and, and we've got some guys, we've got plenty of talent. They're just, we, we're not lacking in talent. And well, um, no, and I, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, like, the thing that's not being brought up in any of this conversation is, like, Georgia recruited a lot of talented coverage guys that are going to be true freshmen this year that are not on campus yet. And, like, whether that's Nylon Green or David Daniel or somebody like that, like, I, I definitely think that those either of those guys are plenty talented enough that if they can come in and learn the scheme that – they'll see significant snaps possibly even you know from the jump against clemson because god knows like we're gonna have to yeah, we're gonna get tested some dudes yeah, against clemson. we're gonna get tested all right so we're wrapping it up guys this is awesome uh nathan thank you for coming on uh nathan is if you don't know uh the co-host of the chapel bell curve podcast which is absolute number one favorite podcast of this guy um, they, they break down they talk about a lot of stuff i talk about and we became friends because of it and this is why we're here so shout out to Nathan and shout out to Justin Chapel Bell Curve. Follow him on Twitter. Some certainly subscribe to their podcast. Nathan, you've got a, you guys are going to kind of ramp up and get ready for the the preseason. Tell us what you're up to. Uh, well, we've got our first episode in a long time on Tuesday. Um, we always sort of go into hibernation mode over the uh, over the over the summer because of just the spring is usually pretty crazy for both of us. And uh, I'm a public school teacher, uh, so we're coming back at it. And I have post planning. And so post planning doesn't matter. And you can quote me on that. Uh, so we're going to, I think we're going to record our, our next episode on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we're, we are going to just ramp up here. Um, you can expect stats and I'll be frank, uh, a lot more cursing than you're going to hear here and uh, a lot more poetry and a bunch of digressions about nerd stuff. So, uh, it's, it's chapel bell curve is like black coffee. Um, if you hate it, you hate it. And if you like it, you will do it for the rest of your life. So we encourage you to taste it and see what you think. All right. And Graham was on. And yeah, Graham is is the, the columnist du jour, not du jour, columnist, period, point blank, on dog sports. Follow him on dogsports.com. He was he joined Bud Elliott this week, talked to continue to beat the dead horse of Kirby's uh, development. Uh, we may not have mentioned that. We, we mentioned in the first open, but it was <laughs> So I really, I really want to just do a whole episode. That's that, by the way. That's just I think we've actually, and I think we did that on the battle handle. So we might, <laughs> but no, seriously. But uh, Graham is an awesome writer, and if you both these guys on on Twitter are awesome, they give you content and humor, and they uh, FTMF all the way through. So they they will fight the Gators, and there it is. There is the FTMF right there. So uh, guys, anything else you want to to chime in about before we shut it down tonight? 
well, I wanted to thank you, Josh. Uh, you can find him at dog underscore stats. Dog is spelled exactly how you would think it would be. And uh, no, you're the you're the thing that makes this this whole thing roll. You're the engine behind uh, all the the bells and whistles and lights. And uh, none of it would be possible without you and your your skills and insight and uh, your levity. So just want to yeah. give you my, our appreciation, my appreciation. Yeah. I, I just want to say that do the right thing is not good enough to make up for how much the Knicks suck. <laughs> oh, well, that was a good That's game. Golly, that was so good. Who says Atlanta's not clutch? Yeah. <laughs> All Atlanta right. Hip hop. Fight me. All just right. Wait till the end of game seven. Guys, this is fun. We're getting the band back together. We're going to do more of this. Uh, follow at uh, Chapel Bell. Follow, follow the Chapel Bell curve on Twitter at Chapel Bell curve. And Graham at Dog Out West. I am at Dog st underscore Stats. And, and I'm uh, at Nathan J. Lawrence. And Nathan J. Lawrence. That's right. The, and Justin Bray. We came from J. Bray, who is uh, he's he's working. He, he's been quiet on the Twitter, but um, he's he's worth the follow. So all right, good show, guys, and we'll be back soon. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.